Good morning. My name is Miles Avalis. This morning, our scripture reading is from the Gospel of Mark. Please follow along in your Bible or use the screens. I will be reading Mark chapter 8, verses 1 through 9 from the New American Standard Bible. In those days, when there was again a large crowd and they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples and said to them, I feel compassion for the people because they remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them away hungry to their home, they will faint on the way, and some of them have come from a great distance. And his disciples answered him, Where will anyone... Where will anyone be able to find enough bread here in this desolate place to satisfy these people? And he was asking them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven. And he directed the people to sit down on the ground. And taking the seven loaves, he gave thanks and broke them and started giving them to his disciples to serve to them. And they served them to the people. They also had a few small fish, and after he had blessed them, he ordered these to be served as well, and they ate and were satisfied. Then they picked up seven large baskets full of whatever was left over of the broken pieces. About 4,000 were there, and he sent them away. The word of the Lord. Good morning. My name is Peter. I am one of the pastors here. Start with a happy Mother's Day greeting to all mothers and mother-hearted folks in here this morning. Uh, Today, um, I'm happy to conclude our Miracles series with a connection to moms. Uh, It feels fitting to me for moms to have the final word on this uh, because not all miracles are instantaneous. I think actually many miracles, you only are able to see them Uh, as miracles, in retrospect, as you begin to more fully grasp, uh, in this case, what moms are and have been uh, for those around them all this time. And uh, there's an aspect of God that we're going to talk about today that's made visible in Jesus, but it's also closer to us in that it's embodied, especially by moms, and it's uh, compassion. And uh, um, Hebrews chapter 4, for example, describes Jesus in a compassionate way. It says this, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. And then in Matthew, Jesus uh, identifies himself in his love with that of a mother hen. And uh, he says in Matthew 23, Jerusalem, Jerusalem who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Uh, Speaking of chicks, uh, the Sung family got four chicks yesterday. Uh, Four chicks to add to our four chicks. So um, if you don't know I have four girls, that's what that joke was about. Got a few chuckles out of that. Um, I love how when God wanted to make human beings in his image, he made them male and female. He didn't make them just male and said, uh, just tack on the woman. To fully convey 
uh, himself and his nature and his love to us. He made male and female. And Jesus talks about how when we go to heaven, uh, there won't be uh, male or female. He says there's no giving in marriage. I don't know what kind of uh, categories will still exist in heaven. Uh, for example, we won't have our son, the scriptures teach us, because Jesus himself will be our light. So somehow this existence is going to translate to that existence. Um, and uh, I, w- I just say that as a way to emphasize how much we miss about God if we don't learn from each other. Because together we teach each other uh, in fuller ways about all that God is, right? And today I want to highlight the fact that more than the male counterpart, I think females and moms in particular have the heavy burden and call to embody this very divine trait called compassion. Now, whenever we honor one person or one group, we run the risk of speaking in generality. So there are many exceptions, and I apologize in advance for not going to get to everybody and all the particularities that we all bring. Uh, But in general, moms as a category represent compassion in a special way. And so I want to highlight that for us today. Two stories came to my mind as I thought about uh, my mom and the compassion that I've seen in her, embodied by her through the years. Uh, The first story that came to my mind, I was just but an infant, and uh, my mom, she survived a famine, she survived war, and so she has uh, led a hard life. And uh, during one of these harder seasons in life when there was Uh, uh, sort of a season of poverty in her life that I was born into, her most precious commodity was a jar of some sort of oil. I think maybe it was sesame oil. And uh, it was rare at that time. And it was worth more to her than any other material thing. And I'm not sure if it was a neighbor or a traveling salesman or some, uh, some stranger kind of person happened upon her doorsteps and she was moved with compassion. And she ended up giving away the entire jar of oil to him. And knowing that she would be reprimanded by my dad or there was some kind of risk that she was taking, but she identified with, this, with the plight of this man that visited her that day. And she gave away this jar, all that she had. Another story, I was a little bit older, continuing to cause trouble though. I was... Um, I think around six, maybe four, somewhere between four and six. And I was a huge fan of the Six Million Dollar Man, if anybody remembers that show. And I was channeling him, and I ran across the street with my head down, and I got hit by a fruit truck, which was being driven by a drunk driver. And this man, in fear for his life just blowing up, came to our house and uh, offered us gifts of fruit, And my mom moved with compassion once again, forgave him and released him from a lawsuit and charges, and he was free to uh, live about his life. And as I recall these stories, immediately I was also reminded of the problems I tend to have with compassion. And I have several of them. I want to list them out to you here. The first one that I have a 
first way that I have a problem with compassion is sometimes I find compassion to be a bit condescending. You know, it's sort of implying that I have something that you don't have, and I will be merciful to you. I will uh, show charity to you and be compassionate to you. And I think, you know, well, actually, you know, if we really study the theology and uh, sort of get to a deeper understanding of justice, nobody is actually being compassionate. We are supposed to do that. So it's justice, not compassion. So that's sort of the first argument that tends to uh, go on in my head. I know I'm a complicated person, Uh, but I have more, okay? I think compassion could also be unhealthy because it's violating boundaries. Aren't you supposed to be responsible for the weight of your own life, and I'm supposed to be responsible for the weight of mine? Why should we sort of uh, make fuzzy these healthy boundaries. You know, am I supposed to enable you and protect you from experiencing legitimate and ultimately helpful consequences? Aren't I short-circuiting the role of suffering in all of our lives? Doesn't suffering teach us things? You know, so I don't want to be compassionate because I don't want to enable bad behavior. And then also... Uh, I grew up in New York City, and I have fresh stories of being duped by my own compassion, of, of uh, men coming up to me and telling me a sob story about how they're from Ohio, and they ran out of money, and they need $50 to buy a bus ticket. Would I help them with any change? And if I do, I, I, knew, I would know that, you know that they were uh, trying to pull, a, pull one on me, but moved with compassion, I would give money. And uh, this has happened to me many times in New York City, right? Some of you have experienced this. So compassion can be tricky. And on top of all of this, if you show compassion for a living, right, people in the health profession, uh, then you experience what's called compassion fatigue. Just get tired of showing compassion. It's messing you up. It's getting in your bones somehow. Uh, So I have problems with compassion, But as I studied compassion uh, in preparation for this talk today, I really am seeing in a fresh new way how divine the trait is. There's a call on us to be moved. And I felt sort of a permission given to me, a release from God saying, Peter, I know healthy is important. I want you to be healthy. Don't get me wrong. But compassion is really, really important too. And I want you to experiment more with compassion. Go ahead, try it. You won't be taken. Offer a hand, they won't take an arm. And if they take an arm, you have another one. (laughs) It's okay to be compassionate. And that sort of was a, a fresh exchange that I had with God as I was uh, thinking about compassion. And I want to offer that to you in case that applies to you as well. Uh, the definition of compassion uh, has, um, uh, I think it's beautiful in meaning, the Greek word compassion here, uh, that's translated compassion, it means literally to be moved from your belly or your bowels. You know, we Americans, we think about the heart. Uh, the people here in Jesus' time, they thought about the center of your being as being your belly. It's more closer to your pelvis, your center of gravity, right? Your lower belly. 
And to be moved with compassion was the deepest, most profound way that one could be moved. Right? If we want to express that sentiment, we say, you know, I really felt it in my heart. They would say, I was feeling it in my belly. Right, so that's this word, compassion. Our word, English word, compassion, has a Latin origin, and it literally means co-suffering. The word passion, that's the word where we get the word patient from. The one who is suffering is a patient, right? So that's passion. And the word come means with, so you're suffering with. When you are moved with compassion, you're taking on their suffering. And our English language takes it one step further to differentiate it from empathy. Compassion means you're motivated to alleviate their suffering. Not only do you feel it, that's empathy, but you're going to do something about it. That's compassion. And so today, uh, it's a rather uh, uh, simple message. I'd like us to look at the compassion of Christ as it plays out in this story of the feeding of the 4,000. And then I want us to think about how our moms have the heavy burden of embodying compassion for the greater good of society. And then I would like us to thank God for the compassion of Christ and uh, the compassion of moms as they embody the compassion of Christ. All right? So let's start with verse 1 through 5. I'm going to read it for us one more time. In those days, when there was a large crowd, uh, when there was again a large crowd, notice it says again. We're in chapter 8. In chapter 6, Jesus had fed the 5,000. And so this is the second time uh, that's been recorded about this. And they had nothing to eat. Jesus called his disciples and said to them, I feel compassion for the people because they have remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from a great distance. And his disciples answered him, Where will anyone be able to find enough bread here in this desolate place to satisfy these people? And he was asking them, How many loaves do you have? The series that we're ending today, it's titled Miracles, the empathy and efficacy of Christ. And I want you to notice how Jesus is empathetic, but he's not just feeling it. He's going to do something about it. That's his efficacy, right? He feels compassion. He understands their plight. He takes it upon himself, and then he moves towards action. In other words, Jesus is able to enter into their world. Notice his description. Notice how he explains how he feels and why he feels that way. He says, you know, think about this. He's talking to his disciples. These people, all these people, 4,000 men, and we don't know how many women and children were here. They hadn't planned on following me for three days. They just came with maybe a meal or two ready. But they've been with me for three days and they've been traveling with me and the crowd's been growing. And they have nothing left to eat anymore. And if I send them away now just to go home, if we dismiss the crowd, then they're going to faint on their way. And many of them who started with me from the beginning three days ago, they, they've come a great distance by now. 
they're not going to make it. Our word, English word, travel, finds its origin or shares its origin with our English word travail. Because back in the day, to travel meant that you're going to travail. You're putting yourself uh, in harm's way. Uh, you never knew what the conditions were going to be. You could be robbed. You could face weather. You could even die along the way. And many young and old did die as they travailed. And so these people have been travailing with Jesus for three days. And he understands that. He is thoughtful and aware of their situation. And uh, as I think about how Jesus felt with them and for them and then decided to act on his feelings, it reminds me of moms more than dads. And it reminds me of women uh, uh, more than men. And it reminds me of my mom more than my dad. And it reminds me of Susie more than it does Peter. And I really, really appreciate that Jesus is being moved in this way. And then to the contrary, I want you to notice the disciples in verse 4. Disciples answered him, where will anyone be able to find enough bread here in this desolate place to satisfy these people? They should have thought about it. They should have known better. This is their life, their hunger. They should bear the weight of it. Why should we and how could we? And as I think about the disciples' reaction, I think about men more and how men tend to live in their head more and they sort of rationalize and they're quicker to do the math rather than to sort of start engaging the need. You know, I thought about all the times the first question my mom had to settle first when I walked in the door was the state of my hunger. Are you hungry? How long have you been hungry? Can I make you something? Are you thirsty? Tuned into my felt needs. And uh, here Jesus puts, away, puts aside all the spiritual lessons he's been teaching for three days, all the miracles. He says, time out. Stop the show. These people are hungry. It really reminds me of mom. And this, these disciples, actually, they've been doing this. In chapter 6, if you read the story of the feeding of the 5,000, um, back two chapters before, they got even more sophisticated in their argument against compassion. And they were like, well, you know, Jesus, we've done some quick math. There's 5,000 men here, lots of women, lots of children. If we wanted to feed all of them, we're going to need at least 200 denarii. And uh, where would we buy that kind of food? And even if we had the money, where would we go to get it? And if we found a couple of places, they wouldn't have enough food to sell us. They just start arguing against Jesus with the needs and the people right in front of them. Compassion allows you to see the people first. Everything else is details that we're going to eventually figure out. We'll work it out. But the people, they're hungry. And they have a long journey ahead of them. And notice what Jesus says in response to the uh, disciples intellectualizing and rationalizing away compassion. Jesus says, how many loaves do you have? Okay, fine. You don't have enough. You've made a valid point. Now, how many do you have? And that's Jesus' way of saying, guys, let's just enter into it. Let's figure out what resources we do have. We're, we can't do nothing. Are you kidding me? We got to do something. 
There's such a resistance to compassion here that the disciples have that actually I relate to more, if I'm honest, uh, instead of Jesus, who is just stepping into their world. I love this about Jesus. Think about the ways that mom and dad have been different for you. Think about the ways that women and men tend to be different. And you begin to appreciate how men in general cannot embody the whole of God's love. It really does take male and female, created he, them, uh, for us to more fully understand God's love. I want to define compassion for us out of, these, uh, out of this story. Uh, I think it's articulated for us beautifully in 2 Corinthians. And this, I think, is the single best uh, definition of compassion in the whole Bible. It says this, chapter 8, verse 9, 2 Corinthians, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. So here's the definition of compassion. Spending your wealth on the other's poverty. Definition B, willingness to enter into the other's world. Now, things like boundaries, things like consequences, these are really good things. We don't want to protect people from legitimate growth opportunities and pathways. That wouldn't be loving. But concepts like boundaries, concepts like consequences, these are all beautiful when they're contextualized by a person who already is overflowing with a heart of compassion. If you already don't have compassion and love filling and overflowing in your heart, then words like boundaries and consequences, these are merely excuses to not love other people. We are called to be compassionate. This is an integral part of who God is. And if God threw words around at us, towards us, like boundaries and consequences and responsibility, we'd all be dead. When somebody has a need, our first response is supposed to be compassion. Willingness to spend what, whatever we have, whether it's an inadequate amount of loaves and fish, you have something, and the other's need is presented before you. Your instinct, your first instinct should be to love, to give, to serve, to ask, to see, to care. And then, and then, stop for a second and ask, well, wait a minute, um, I want my love to not just be blind love. I want it to be intelligent and thoughtful and helpful in the long run. There must be some other concepts that help guide the compassion. It's not in place of the compassion, and that's 
boundaries and consequences and responsibility. Such a contrast between the disciples' response to need and Jesus' response to need. I love that our moms have been mirroring and channeling the compassion of Christ for us. Where would humanity be if moms weren't? I want to conclude for us here by reading a poem or a prayer um, by a young woman named Amy Young. She's an author. I think she's written only one book, but she has a rather um, active blog, and that's where I got this from. The title of this prayer is The Wide Spectrum of Mothering. And I want to invite you to think about uh, all the different roles that moms play, all of the joy and pain and the humanity's need that they are attentive to and care about and enter into as only moms can. Uh, and then we will um, generalize that for the rest of us and we'll close. Okay? Uh, this prayer is, again, Amy Young. Uh, from 2013, the wide spectrum of mothering. To those who gave birth this year to their first child, we celebrate with you. To those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who experienced loss through miscarriage, failed adoptions, or running away, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, fraught with pokes, prods, tears, and disappointment, we walk with you. Forgive us when we say foolish things. We don't mean to make this harder than it is. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, and spiritual moms, we need you. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate with you. To those who have disappointment, heartache, and distance with your children, we sit with you. To those who lost their mothers this year, we grieve with you. To those who experienced abuse at the hands of your own mother, we acknowledge your experience. To those who lived through driving tests, medical tests, and the overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our midst. To those who have aborted children, we remember them and you on this day. To those who are single and long to be married and mothering your own children, we mourn that life has not turned out the way you long for it to be. To those who step-parent, we walk with you on these complex paths. To those who envision lavishing love on grandchildren, yet that dream is not to be, we grieve with you. To those who will have emptier nests in the coming year, we grieve and rejoice with you. To those who placed children up for adoption, we commend you for your selflessness and remember how you hold that child in your heart. <clears throat> to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprising, we anticipate with you. This Mother's Day, we walk with you. Mothering is not for the faint of heart, and we have real warriors in our midst. We remember you.
We all have much to learn from the compassion of Christ. We thank God that uh, the compassion of Christ has been made visible and tangible uh, for us uh, through our moms. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 to 13. May this be our prayer and command as we close this sermon. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for our moms and the mom figures, and the love uh, that only a mother can give. We thank you for that. We thank you for them. And we pray that you would help us to see, appreciate, and love on them for as long as we live. We also pray forgiveness for moms who struggle with uh, not feeling like a very good mom and are feeling uh, a sense of failure and inadequacy about being a mom. We pray for release for them and you, uh, for you to help them to grow and to feel better uh, in the role that they play in this world. And God, we thank you for Jesus whose compassion uh, led him to the cross. He who knew no sin becoming sin for us. We thank you for him and the mother's love we see in him. We look to you together as your children, in Jesus' name, amen.